Bontu Crag. Bontu Craig. Yep. La, la, you talk. La 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 la. We're okay. No party fouls yet. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Morale Podcast, where we do our three favorite things, talk a little bit of booze, a little bit of beer, and a whole lot of basketball. Ethan and the tall guy are coming at you live from Fort Worth. Well, maybe not live. This is a podcast, so we're definitely not live, but we're here. We're not live, but we're here. That's good enough. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) I'm just happy to be here. We are happy to be here. Mitch is back in the Fort Worth. He's rocking a Portland... Portland Originals. Originals? Portland shirts. Originals. Yeah, it's an Adidas shirt. I got this one uh, from the Blazer store once upon a time. Wow, look and at that. It's one of my favorites. It's got a whole bunch of stains on it, but I don't care. I'm going to keep wearing it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> we are back again to just uh, talk about some of the latest news, some updates on the NBA, just catching everybody up on what's the latest haps around the NBA. Yeah, it's always important to stay updated into all the different storylines, not just with what team is your favorite team, but what's going on all around the league. Yeah, absolutely. We're, and we're here to do just that today. We've got three th- three teams that we're going to talk about today and just how they're doing. And so they're teams that have kind of been in the news a lot lately. Yeah. But before we get to that, let's talk about what we are going to be drinking, which is the Hudson Valley, New York Copper Sea Straight Rye Malt Whiskey. That is a mouthful. That's a name. That is a, that is a long name. <laughs> uh, okay. So... It hails from the great state of New York. Um, their Bontecue Craig Straight Malt Rye, which is what this is, is named for the peak that overlooks their rye fields. Um, they age it about two years. They like to put little mellow notes of clove and pepper. And uh, then they have another one, which we're not drinking, but their Excelsior Bourbon is also supposed to be pretty good. And it's made from the Hudson Valley Corn, Rye, and Barley and it is aged for a year in the New York harvested white oak barrels for flavors of vanilla, caramel, and peach. Well, we'll see how that compares to this one, which we will uh, tell you about later in the show. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good one. It's it's a uh, it's got a cool looking bottle. It just looks like the bottle is like old school. It like, does. I, I don't know if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see some photos that we're probably putting up right now. But it's just like a cool looking old school whiskey bottle. Like I feel like I'm a cowboy now. Like. Give me a shot of that. <laughs> yeah, cowboy. I was almost thinking like piratey. Oh, it is piratey. It's a little, You're so right. It's a little piratey. The the look of the bottle, even like the the lady that's on the front of the bottle, looks like she'd be at the the like head the front mask, of the, the front ship. of the ship. Yep. Yeah, yep, absolutely. All right, I'm Jack Sparrow now. All right, <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Let's uh, let's stop talking about that for a second. Let's get into this first team here. All right, and we can't get through talking about the latest of the NBA without talking about arguably the best performance of the NBA so far this year. And that is Steph Curry's 62 point masterpiece against your Portland trailblazers, Mitch. So I know you had a front row seat to this one, but Steph had struggled early, but he showed everyone that he is not to be messed with. Yeah. Everyone was like kind of slandering the great Steph name there for a little bit at the beginning of the season, because I think Steph was trying to get all the new pieces involved, all the new Warriors guys involved. And so he wasn't just going to go out there and start chucking from game one. But I think that they realized they're in a little bit of hot water for a second. So he he absolutely unleashed on my poor 
Portland Trailblazers the other night. It made me real sad. Yeah, I mean, he was just a flamethrower. 62 points. That is not easy to do against a team that can doesn't necessarily have the best guard defense, but is a pretty decent defensive team. Yeah, we, we aren't ranked as high as we should be because we've had a couple bad like blowouts where we let a team score a whole bunch of points. But we, uh, I found that we don't have a lot of great def- like guard perimeter defenders. We're coming to Jones Jr. are great wing help defenders, but like outside, of, whenever Gary Trent Jr. wasn't guarding him, I pretty much knew that Steph Curry was going to go get a bucket. It was he was automatic that entire game. It was crazy. Yeah, he was he was definitely on sixty two points, um, on forty five percent shooting, and four only four for twelve from three. Uh, I think you're looking at the wrong game. Oh, shit. so that so because we play them Nine. twice because we, oh they did so we played them the first game and God, we, that is a new thing in the NBA this year yeah it? the uh, the back to back they're doing that to restrict travel um, as much as they possibly can with COVID being a thing this year pretty much because they know that you're going to be playing a team twice instead of going to play the Warriors in January and then also going back to Golden State in March. Now they just have you play them in back-to-back games, which is a very new thing, almost baseball-like where they almost have series. Yeah, it's weird. Let me try this again then. So 62 points. Yeah, read these stats. 8 for 31 shooting, which is 58%. 8 for 16 from 3. Or wait, 18 for 31 from shooting, 58%. 8 for 16 from 3, which is 50%. And then 18 of 19 at the line. Yeah, I okay. I know that I'm the guy that was watching it from the other like the other team's point of view. Because obviously I was watching it with rose-colored glasses, being the Blazer fan. Steph got a whole bunch of calls. Oh, I knocked my mic all over the place. Uh, Steph got a whole bunch of calls. We're a mess to we start are. this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hot start. Um Steph being Steph, like a smaller guy, when he goes up, he gets bounced around. He, I mean, he's gotten calls like that his entire career, so it's it's nothing out of the norm. But getting 18 free throws certainly helps in the quest to 62. Yeah, and making like 18 only, of 19. Yeah, 18 of 19 is pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, he's one of those guys when he steps into the line, just know that he's going to make. He's actually shooting 98 percent from the free throw line this that's year. A, that's so good. It's really good. <laughs> that is incredible. But yeah, going back to the, his. Start of the year, he didn't start very hot. He start, I mean, his first, you know, two games were 20 points, 19 points. He had a 36-point game, then back to 30, 26, and then he blew up for 62. And now he's he had another 30-point game to follow that up, which brings his season average to about 32 points a game, which is right around where you want it to be if you're a Warriors fan. You maybe even want it a little higher because, again, if you're a Warriors fan, you probably want Steph shooting the ball every single time he touches it. So... 32, as good as it sounds through seven games, I feel like it's low. Yeah, I mean, he's so because we've seen such crazy high numbers, like with Harden being able to average 35, and KD one year when he was with the Thunder was able to average, I think it was 34. So when you see a guy like Steph and he's on a team that, like, he really doesn't have a whole lot of offensive help and a whole lot of, like, playmaking creation help outside of Draymond Green, who you know going into it doesn't want to shoot the ball, uh, you expect him to put up a whole lot of shots. And so it would not. I think that this is the first of probably a couple 60-point games that he's going to get this year. I'd be willing to bet that he's going to have a lot of 30 and 40 and then a couple 50s and 60s sprinkled in last year or sprinkled in for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I, I can see that happening wholeheartedly. I mean, Draymond has struggled with his offensive game to start the year. He's averaging two points per game. Uber and Wiggins have also been super inefficient, so 
if you're Steph, you're like, I've got a backpack. And I mean, people have questioned him to start this year saying like, you know, can he lead a team? He's always been on a very talented team. Can he be the one guy on a team to backpack you to the playoffs? And that 62 point game was like, yeah, yeah, I can. Now shut up haters. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone was trying to like point out that, uh, Steph had made the playoffs three times prior to like that crazy run, the start of that crazy run that they uh, went on when Steve Kerr started coaching them. He'd made, he'd made the playoffs and led the Warriors to the playoffs three times before that. But both times he had an all NBA player. He had Clay make third team all NBA one year. And then he had David Lee make third team all NBA one year. So there really is only one season where he was the only all NBA player on his team and backpacked him to the playoffs. So it's going to be really interesting to see how a 32 year old Steph, who is the greatest shooter ever in the history yeah, of the no NBA. No questions about that. And how like how well is he going to be able to backpack this team in a weird, weird COVID shortened season uh, and also a year where the West is super, super deep. Every single game that you go into, like you can't take anyone for granted. No, no. Anybody can beat anybody in the West and that's kind of what we're seeing. That's why the West is so weird right now. The, if you look up and down the West like standings, there's like so many 500 teams and so many teams like one or two games below 500 that you look at them you're like that's a playoff team how are they struggling and it's like well because they're playing really good teams like everyone's good yeah you're not, you're, there's no freebies no there is there is no freebies i mean even the thunder are scraping together wins every here and there i mean the the kings look good like they're really there's no freebies anymore the timberwolves so. have two young all-stars like mm-hmm. every team even the bad teams are good Yes, the Timberwolves are one of the worst teams in the West, and they have two all-stars and a number one pick on their team. And they're one of the worst. It's crazy. And it's, I mean, you can't rule out the East either because there's some teams in the East that are good. You have the Knicks, who are a game above 500. You have the Magic, who are cooking. And that's another, another team we're going to talk about today, the Magic. But, like, there's just so many good teams in basketball this year, and this year is so weird. Yeah, it's a really weird year, so... Congratulations on Steph being able to put up the 62 points. Honestly, I wasn't even mad when it was happening, mainly because we were in the game the entire time. And that's one of the reasons he was able to get to 62 is a lot of the time when guys go off like that, especially on like Steph on the Warriors, it usually means that they're up by 20 or 30 by the time the third and fourth quarter comes around and they bench him. But this year is going to be much more unique, almost kind of like Dame last year where the team wasn't doing so well. They're kind of struggling. And so he was just backpacking them to wins. And so Steph is going to have to keep backpacking this team and they're going to be in close games when he has 40, 50. And then he's going to, that's why he's going to get more of those higher point games this year. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just his usage rate is also going through the roof as mm-hmm. of late. It's the, and for people that don't know, a usage rate is basically for layman's terms it's a percentage of the time that the ball is in your hands and you're creating the offense yes and as of right now Steph has a 35 percent usage rate yes on average a player would have a 20 percent usage rate because there's five guys on the field and five divided by or 100 divided by five would be 20 yeah Steph is at 35 so that is significantly higher than the average yes and I and he actually started off fairly low kind of like what I mentioned earlier as he was like really trying to get everybody else involved and he's really trying to get Ubre some shots and getting Wiggins his shots and getting Wiseman, like, ever get the whole cohesion of the team coming together and gelling together. So his usage rate was pretty low for the first couple of games, but I'm willing to bet that's going to skyrocket. I would not be sh- surprised to see it be around the 40% mark by the end of the season because that's kind of what you saw with James Harden when he was on the floor. 
Yeah, and they're going to probably treat him a lot like James Harden where, and like Luka and like Dame where it's just like give them the ball, let them run the offense, and let them kick to whoever they want. And if you want to shoot one on four, by all means. Go for it. Like, why do we care? Why not? You're a one on four shot for you is better than a, you know, wide open shot for Ubre at this point. Dude, that, that last shot that Steph took when he had like two guys on him and he was like fading away deep. Uh, deep elbow three to get the 62 points. I was just like, and you swish. I was just like, I can't even be mad. I can't like the guy is, the guy is so much fun to watch. He's been one of my favorite players. Like ever since he joined the NBA, I loved him out of Davidson and to see what he's become and what he is right now. And like watching him at the peak of his powers and the team that forces him to be at the peak of his powers every night. I think that they're one of the most fun league pass teams this year. Oh, absolutely. They're, I mean, Steph is much watched, must watch television. He is. I mean, the amount of daggers that he hits, the amount of like shots that he throws up that are just crazy and that breaks a team's heart are oh. just ridiculous. Oh, he loves the backbreaker shot. Oh my God. That's like one of the reasons you love slash hate the Warriors. Cause when you watch him again and they're not playing your team, you're like, wow, like that is incredible. They've just made three threes in a row. They turned like a five point lead into a 20 point lead, like in a snap. Mm-hmm. And then when it's your team, you're like, okay, five points are in this. All we got to do is like make a run in the second half. And then like two minutes into the third quarter, you're down 20. You're like, what? I went to the bathroom. What happened? What happened to my team? Why, why are we all of a sudden <laughs> just getting killed? <laughs> I think the Warriors are at a bit of a disadvantage too, not having fans in the stadiums because they had one of the best home courts. I remember when, I mean, when you're watching the games against the Warriors and they go on like even a 10 point run, it felt like you were underwater with the way that the crowd reacted and how loud they were and how good the Warriors were. You felt like they were just drowning and there's nothing else you could do. So uh, Steph, congratulations. I can't wait to see what he does the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to the fan thing real quick, the, the whole thing in Oracle went back when they played there and they, they'd shoot a three and go the whole big crowd would go three and yeah. they hit it and everyone would go nuts. It's like as, a, as an opposing fan, you're like, no, <laughs> miss, <Why>? please miss. <laughs> <laughs> they never do. They never miss. No, not Steph. No, absolutely not. And not Clay, and not Draymond, and not KD, and not Andre Iguodala, and all those great guys they had on those teams. Yeah, they had a great run. I, you know, I still don't think that they're going to win a championship. I think that they're still in the position that they're they're going to tr- they're going to be trying to make the playoffs. Like it's not a sustainable thing to expect to have to be scoring sixty two every game. But that's kind of where they're they're at is Steph at least needs to be putting up in the thirties and needs to do it efficiently. If this team is going to be out somewhat productive at all. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, they took Steph 60 points to beat a struggling blazer team by 10. Yes, exactly. And they, they did beat the Kings and uh, Steph actually almost got a triple double in that game. It was like nine rebounds and eight assists along with his 32 points. Uh, so Steph is going to go off and do great things, but it's, it's all on him. Yeah. He, he is, the engine and he is the train and he is the caboose. He's the whole thing. He's the whole package. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to our other team here that we want to talk about. I mentioned them earlier. The six and two Orlando magic suffered a major blow to their playoff hopes and their season going forward. Markel Fultz. It was announced recently tearing his ACL tonight. Um, just a huge blow. Yeah. It's so sad. I mean, it's so sad. Markel Fultz was, he was putting up about 14 points a game, six assists, but he uh, he had a pretty good usage rate on the team. He was playing 30 minutes. He was their starter, and they really had embraced him as like, hey, you're our 
future star. You are the guy with all the potential. We want to put you on the court. We want to give you the keys to the car and we want to see what we're going to look like when you're, you know, going up full steam. And it's just unfortunate for the kid who's the old number one pick for the Philadelphia 76ers. He got shoulder uh, surgery right out of the gate. Wasn't able to play hardly at all in his rookie year. Had to restructure his whole jump shot because if you remember in college he wasn't a great shooter, but he was a, he was an efficient he was a good shooter. He was, he was yeah. not a bad shooter, not a guy you wanted taking threes. And then he had the surgery in his in his shoulder and nerve problems and couldn't feel his shoulder, couldn't feel his hand. Had to basically rebuild his jump shot from scratch. Yeah, and and like having all of that happen to you on top of going into the NBA with the expectations of being a number one overall pick. On top of going to the Philadelphia 76ers, where I don't know if you've heard, but Philadelphia fans aren't the nicest to their athletes, and it's just a whole ton of pressure, and he just got the yips. I mean, he it looked like he was so confused when he was out there. I remember one time he shot a free throw, and he was like bobbling the ball up back and forth through his hands as he went up to shoot it, and it's like he totally got lost, and then he, he uh, finally got moved over, traded to the Magic, and there was lower expectations. And he could kind of grow into himself a little bit. And he was finally starting to do that. And he was playing well. And the Magic were doing well. And this team was a team that people were sleeping on. And a team where everyone was like, yeah, they've got good players, not great players. They don't have a star. They don't need this. And a team that's always had problems at point guard. A team that's always been wings and big heavy and have never had their point guard. They have found their point guard and then they just lost him. Yeah, it's it's such a bummer. It's a bummer for Markel and it's a bummer for the Magic because the Magic are really starting to turn this corner where like all these pieces they've had for a while and they've been that, you know, bobbling around eight seed, maybe you don't make the playoffs, maybe you're a seven seed. But they were really, really clicking this year. Like everyone really bought into whatever their role was this year. And Markel was the guy who was the he was the most important playmaker on the floor for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And his job was to find, you know, his teammates. And I mean, Vucevic this year Mm -hmm. playing out of his mind, averaging 21 points, 11 boards on crazy efficiency. Yeah. 52% from the field, 47 from three in like high volume. He's, he shoots a lot of threes. Um, Terrence Ross playing really well, 20 points a game. Like you said, Markel Fultz playing really well. They have a bunch of pieces there that are playing well. And it's a team's team. No one does. No, there's no, there's no selfishness. There's a lot of passing. The ball movement's crisp. They play decent defense. And it's just, a, it reminds me a lot of that Clippers team a couple years ago that made a run at the Warriors with coached by Doc with Tobias yeah. Harris, Pat Bev, all these guys. That, uh, Gallinari was on that team. Like, no one great, just everyone good. And they played really well together. Yeah. And I was definitely getting the same vibe uh, from this Magic team. So looking up their team stats, some of those kind of surprising to me is they have the six best six best defensive rating in the NBA. They're one of the better defensive teams. And a lot of that actually had to do with Markel because he's so fast and he's so athletic and he had really he's a really long wingspan for your traditional point guard. He stands at about six foot five. And so he was really causing trouble for a lot of these opposing guards. That's why they kind of handled the Cavs fairly easily is that they he got to lock down Colin Sexton, their best player. And I am a little nervous as to what the Magic are going to look like now with probably starting Cole Anthony at point guard and not Markel Fultz. They're going to, it's going to take a major nosedive in the defensive area. Yeah, a major nosedive in defense and efficiency because Cole Anthony is putting up all right numbers but not very efficient numbers. And it's one of those things where Markel Fultz was very calm with the ball. He never played outside of his own, like, 
he never played at a pace. He played at his own speed the whole time. And Cole Anthony, a rookie, the game is still slowing down for him, and it's going to be a big task for Cole Anthony to fill those shoes. Yeah, it's definitely, especially being you know a rookie first year and all of a sudden your team is actually good and now all of a sudden you're thrust into the starting point guard spot i'm sure he's you know thrilled not thrilled to lose a guy but thrilled to have a new opportunity to become the new starting point guard for the magic and show your stuff especially after a year with north carolina where it started off with him being injured so he can actually kind of show his full potential now but i I mean it it could turn around on him if it doesn't look good if he shoots really inefficiently like he shoots in the 20% for field goal and three point percentage. So he's going to have to pick up his efficiency and really pick up the entire offense for the magic. Yeah. And not get bit by turnovers mm-hmm. because that's a big thing. This team has a lot of efficient scores. Your job, your job as the point guard of the magic is to not turn the ball over, not overshoot and play good defense and you will do just fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the Magic, um, they've played really well so far. They're one, they have one of the best records in the Eastern Conference. Uh, when we actually were originally talking about um, discussing the Magic on the podcast, it was because of just how well they were doing and how amazing they were. And it w- it just so happened that the unfortunate news of Markel Fultz um, tearing his ACL and being out for the entire season happened tonight as well. Yeah, that broke, uh, I'm looking on my phone, 37 minutes ago. Yeah. So it's very upsetting, very sad to hear that Mark Helfold's out for the year. It's a big loss to a very interesting and fun-to-watch Magic team. Just a, a bummer all around. A guy who's dealt with injuries before, we hope he can come back soon because he's a, he's a fun player to watch and he's going to be a good player in this league. Yeah, I sure hope that he can come back to 100% next season and really you know show out. That being said, injuries are a part of basketball. Good teams can withstand injuries, so... This will be a good test for this Magic team who have been super hot to start the year, and this is their first set of adversity. Yeah, and Marco Fultz is not the best player on this team. No, it's not Nikola by Vucevic. Not by any means, yeah. yeah Nicole- and he's probably not even the second or third best player on this team. Aaron yeah. Gordon has something to say about that. You can argue um, Jonathan Isaac, if he's healthy, is a great player on this team. There's a lot of good. Terrence Ross is a very good player on this team. There's a lot of good players on this team. Yeah, but I mean, Markel Fultz might have been one of the more important players on this team. Yeah, I mean, Terrence Ross averages 20 points a game. 20 points a game and one assist, which, by the way, is really hard to do. Yeah, that, that is a guy <laughs> who is a chucker and is not a good sharer. Shout out uh, Terrence Ross from Jefferson High School in Portland. But <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. I uh, should have known that. Uh, but yeah, so Terrence Ross is putting up a good case for six man of the year. If they can continue this kind of efficiency play as good of defense as they have been, and then also be one of the leading rebounding teams, or the, the top offensive rebounding team, the third best just normal rebounding team. If they can continue to keep those aspects up, which I think they will, they will continue to be someone to be reckoned with in the East. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's uh, take a break here from uh, talking basketball. Let's get right back into this uh, Copper Sea. What is this? Is this a bourbon or a, a, it's a malt whiskey? Yes. It's a malt whiskey. Yeah, rye malt whiskey. It tastes very, it's kind of weird. It tastes like smoky, caramely-ish. I get I get a lot of uh, smoky flavor out of it, for sure. I I really enjoyed it. The The first couple sips, I we're doing this new thing where we got the ice cube balls. Yes. Which you got for Christmas. I did. Yeah, so we got these ice cube balls, put it in there, um, and first couple sips, I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's good. It tastes very... Um, 
like I said, I get more of the caramel than I do the smoky. I do get the smoky, but I get I get overwhelming caramel mm-hmm. to me, which is it's it's good by by all means. I did not expect the caramel because based on what you read, there isn't caramel in it. Well, no, they they mentioned that it definitely has like caramel notes to it. Um, I'm trying to see what they have here on their website. So. They say that it definitely, so it's got spices, definitely like a lot of spices. Oh, it's, in it. it's got I a get, spicy aftertaste to it. Yeah. For sure. Um, and then it says that apparently it's got blackberry in it. I'm not getting a whole lot of blackberry out of it, but blackberry and cinnamon, I definitely get cinnamon actually now reading it. Cinnamon, toasted biscuit. Oh, and yields of caramel. I get caramel. So you got caramel. I get lots you nailed of it. You got caramel. Uh, but yeah, it's got, it's a little peppery, a um, little bit cinnamony. Uh, it it tastes like an old fashioned rye malt whiskey, which is if you don't love whiskeys, I wouldn't recommend drinking it without ice or uh, without like a little mixer or something in it. But I really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean it's not as smooth as the, some of the other whiskeys we've had on the podcast. But it's definitely more like flavorful. It's got definite layers of flavor. Like this thing has got like three or four like different like things that you taste when you sip it. Oh yeah, it's got like it's got like a flavor that hits the the front of the tongue, and then when you swallow, it's like a whole different flavor. And then when you like the ice like melts a little bit into it, it almost like brings out a whole different flavor profile. But yes, I would recommend it. Yeah, go you find yourselves me- some Hudson Valley New York Copper Sea Straight Rye Malt Whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> you could give this to me in three different glasses with three different amounts of ice melted in it, and I could think there were three totally different whiskeys. Oh, yeah, totally. There's just a lot going on in this, which is not necessarily bad. It's just my young whiskey-drinking tongue is swimming in its first test of actual like, figuring <laughs> out what I'm tasting. Try to figure out what you like. Yeah, well, I mean, I like the caramel. I, I definitely get the pepper. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I get the biscuit. I don't know. You don't get any toasted biscuit I don't out know of this. What necessarily toasted biscuit is? I I love reading like that. What the professionals think that they get out of it. It's yeah. like, oh, I get blackberry. It's like, oh, really? I don't taste blackberry in this at all. I taste whiskey in it mainly. <laughs> <laughs> I also couldn't tell you what a blackberry tasted like. You can't. You don't know what a blackberry tastes like. Well, I'm trying. I mean, I could. We probably got a bunch I, in Oregon. That's well, like a big thing. There. If I tasted one, I could probably be like, oh, that's a blackberry. But like, I can't like think to myself like what a blackberry tastes like right now. <laughs> hey, I fair think of what a blueberry tastes like, like, you know, a blueberry, but not necessarily a blackberry. Fair enough. I haven't had a whole lot of toasted biscuits lately either. So I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. Absolutely. Well, we have one more team to get to here. We've had a couple of longer podcasts, so this one's going to be a little bit more on the shorter side. So uh, we've got one more team to talk about here. Um and that is the most disappointed team in the NBA so far. And I don't I don't think anyone will disagree with me when I say that. I'm sure the players on the team would agree with me if I said that. That's a one in five Raptors. Mm-hmm. The Toronto Raptors have been bitten by a snake this year. They are on the struggle bus for sure. Yeah. And this is a team that, I mean, has had success for a sustained period of time at this point. I mean, all the way back to the DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry Jonas Valanciunas days like they were making the playoffs they're making it to conference finals they were a good team for quite a while and this is their first year especially post-championship that they've hit such a major lull I was lurking on the uh the Raptors subreddit uh earlier today and all I have to say is keep your heads up guys it's okay 
You still like you still have good basketball players on your team, and I still think they that you have a good playing, chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, they just aren't playing like good basketball players this year. Yeah, at least so far. No, exactly. Uh, and so I was doing a little bit of research as to what is the main areas for the Raptors, and I'll tell you what it's not. It's not defense because you actually are top ten defense right yeah, now, and they the have NBA. the ninth best defensive rating in the league this year. Their problem this year, offense. Big time offense. They are the worst field goal percentage in the league, 41%. They average 33% from three, which is 23rd in the league. 43 rebounds a game, which is 22nd in the league. And their offensive rating, which is like the average points they score, mm-hmm. 102.4, 29th in the league. Keep in mind there are 30 teams in the league. So only one team scores less points a game than they do. Yeah, that's not good. No, that's bad. No, that's what they call bad. Uh, they So... It's the NBA has changed in recent years to where it's 100% an offensive run league now. I mean, teams are out there scoring 120 points a game, and the the ball moves faster than it ever has. There's more three pointers shot than there ever have been, and that's so that's where their main concern is going to be on offense all year. And it stems from the idea that they don't really have a really great player that can like create for the entire offense. They don't have a guy right now to where he'd be like, hey, go get me a bucket. That was Van Vliet and Siakam last year, before, like pre-bubble. Because during the bubble, I don't know if you remember, but Siakam played horrible during yeah, the bubble. Siakam struggled for sure. Um, and so, but like during the season, Siakam was having a great year. Van Vliet was playing really well as like kind of the chucker that was off ball off of Siakam. And Siakam can play make, I'll say, for his size and like for the position that like he is like a small forward power forward. He does like pretty good, but I don't think that he's a guy that can carry a team and lead an offense right now. Oh, I don't think so at all. Um, he has struggled. Van Vliet has struggled. The problem is they both paid those guys to be the guy on the team. And after getting the bag, they are not playing like they deserve it. No, not at all. Um, yeah, you get you you put a lot of money into Siakam and Van Vliet to kind of be your top two guys. And as of right now, I'm actually just watching the game right now as they're playing against the Suns, and of course they are losing. Uh, but you just you can't trust Siakam as your number one guy. And it kind of we projected this during the offseason when they threw all that money at Van Vliet, but I don't think that you can trust him to be the guy either. He loves to chuck, but he's not a very good creator. He drives to the hole a lot, but has a low efficiency rate um, shooting at the rim. Yeah, I mean, his, his season numbers aren't bad. 21.8 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, mm-hmm. but his percentages are not good. No, do you have them there? I'm I'm looking for them right now, but they are they are not good. I mean, his first game, he was three for twelve, and then a ten for twenty, and then another three for twelve, a nine for nineteen, and then a nine for twenty three. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. And I also saw a stat that the Raptors as a team are shooting twenty eight percent percent from three on wide open threes, which the NBA considers a shot when a player the closest defender is five feet or further as a wide open three and they shoot 28 percent on wide open threes you're professional basketball players that get paid a whole ton of money to shoot the basketball you better start learning how to shoot when no one's guarding you yeah absolutely he is uh he is shooting 44 percent from the field this year 39 from three he had one game that he he went off yeah and it was like nine for 12 which is 
bump that up significantly. Before that, it was in the 20s, so it bumped it up a lot. Um, and then 82 at the line, so it's not very good at all. His plus-minus on the year is minus 5. Yeah, and I'm going to throw out there that a lot of the teams that they've lost to have been at least decent teams. I mean, so they've lost to the Pelicans, the Spurs, the Sixers, the Pelicans, and the Celtics. And they are currently losing to uh, the Suns right now. And their one win came against the Knicks. So, I mean, I don't know exactly what that means. I mean, their schedule gets a little bit easier as it gets going uh, here into January. So we're going to have to wait and see what this Raptors team, if they can kind of pull it together, start figuring out what the offense is going to look like, what their system is going to look like, uh, how they're going to flow, especially in the half-court offense is where their main concern is. They have a lot of athletes, so they like run the court really well on fast breaks, but it's the half-court offense. If they can figure that out, I think that they're still going to be a really good team. Yeah, absolutely. Siakam has also struggled mightily. He's averaging 17 points a game on 40% shooting from the field, Ooh, which is that's very low, borderline unplayable. Yeah. And then 30% from three, which is well below league average of 36. And he's averaging 17.6, 7.4 rebounds, 3.6 assists. Which yeah. is all down from his last year numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's an interesting basketball team that they have assembled, seeing that they've lost their big guys. They have an aging Kyle Lowry who still, I mean, you know, serviceable. He shoots he makes 18 points a game, shoots 40% from the field. That's low. 35% from three. So slightly below league average. Uh you got Siakam who is not showing that he can be a number one guy. Van Vliet who is not showing he can be a number one guy. I, I'm really nervous for the Raptors because they have to start there's not a lot of time in this season to turn it around and figure it out. You gotta start like you gotta start figuring it out right now. We say that at six and a like a half games in to the year so far. Yeah, but six but and a half games means a lot more in a 72-game season than an 82-game season. I, w- I would agree 100%, but there it's it's not even that. There's just tendencies that are forming here. There's trends that I'm seeing that are leading to a bigger picture, which is like, is Vlan Viet, is Vlan, wow, is Van Vliet, Van Vliet <laughs> the guy? Like, is he like the guy that they're paying him to be? And so far, No. Yeah. Is Siakam good enough to lead a team when he needs to play as a big man? No. Are, do they have the bigs to hang with playoff teams? No. Do they have an offense that can score in the half court? No. Like there's a lot of bigger problems here than just one a one in five record. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of question marks. Okay. So somehow Yuta Watanabe is playing in the third quarter in a close game against the Suns. And if that doesn't describe, so is Alex Len. So if that doesn't describe to you what the Raptors' problems are, I don't know what does. I, and, and and no one's hurt. No, they're that, healthy. That, that, that's a healthy team. Like, these are just decisions. Like, I don't know what happened to Nick Nurse or, like, what Nick Nurse is thinking, but he's like, what happened to my basketball team? Yeah. And it used to be so deep and so good. What happened? Yeah, it's only going to be a matter of time as to does Masai Ujiri start looking other places for different players to fill out this team? Is he looking for trades potentially at some point? I could see Lowry being on the trade block. For sure. I, I don't know if anyone would touch um, Van Vliet or Siakam at this point. It's it's to be seen. I mean, Van Vliet's one of those guys who uh, I think that he's a good number two. Uh, he kind of just runs around the, the court like a little squirrel, just tossing up crazy long threes and 
if he when he can be efficient, which he has been in past years, he's a great player, and I think a lot of teams could benefit from having him. But he has a big contract now. Yeah, he is the highest paid undrafted player in NBA history. Oh, that's a fun stat. Yes, he is the highest paid undrafted player in NBA history. That's a fun stat. You know, there's more and more like undrafted guys that actually make it into the league every year. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty fun. Because only 60 guys get drafted. Mm -hmm. And there's well more than 60 good players in every graduating class. Yeah, and the way everyone develops at different ages is always different. So... Hey, good good for Van Vliet. Go get the bag as an undrafted guy. Now just play like it. No, actually play good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's your new problem. Well, everybody, that's catching you up on what was uh, the latest around the NBA. Uh, we'll be doing this more and more, probably more often than not, just kind of taking some storylines, talking you guys through them, and drinking along the way, Mitch. Yes, yes. You guys, go get yourself some Hudson Valley New York Copper Sea Straight Rye Malt Whiskey. And have a mouthful saying Yeah, it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I'll vouch for it. Well, have a good one, guys. Cheers. Cheers.